You see what God was saying? Listen, I want you to honor your family. I want you to esteem them highly. I want you to respect that authority in the home because I'm going to tell you how the home goes, goes the nation. As the family goes, goes the nation. When the family begins to deteriorate, the nations are going to deteriorate. I'd like for you to turn in your Bible, if you would. We're going to not, I'm not sure we're going to finish up, but we're going to continue our series on, we've been talking about Bible application. And we started off several weeks ago talking about the children of Israel and how that the children of Israel were chosen by God. You know, we go back to the story of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac and Jacob, and how that God had chosen Abraham, and that through Abraham, he was going to birth a nation, he was going to birth a nation, and through that nation, God was going to show forth his power and glory and, and bring the world, literally bring the world to himself, reconcile the world, uh, uh, rest, restore fellowship with the world that was lost to a God that was alive and real. And, and so he chose Abraham, he chose Isaac and Jacob, and through that, that lineage, he birthed a nation called the Israel. It called Israel or the Israelites. And we find that uh, the Israelites had been in bondage and, and slavery for about 400 years in Egypt. And they lived under a heavy taskmaster. All they knew for those 400 years was bondage and slavery. And God had sent Moses and said, listen, I'm going to deliver you out of the hand of Egypt, out of the land in the hand of Egypt, and I'm going to take you into the promised land. And so God, through his mighty power and works, delivers the children of Israel out of Egypt, and he begins the journey to the promised land, the land of Canaan. But in that journey, they stopped about three months into that trip. They stopped at a place called Mount Sinai, and there at Mount Sinai, God begins to set some guidelines. He begins to lay out some guidelines for them to live by. And you think, well, why would God do that? Why would God lay out guidelines for them to live by? Well, number one, as we've already shared, they were in a relationship with God. It was not to establish a relationship. The relationship had already been established with God, and God was getting ready to lay out some guidelines so that they would live a free and a life, a life of freedom and a life of liberty. And, and, and I really want us to really get this in our hearts and get this in our minds. When God gives you a word, when God gives you a, a guideline or a principle to live by, it's not that God is trying to establish a relationship with you. It's the fact that you're in a relationship with you, and he wants what's good for your life. You see, the Israelites, all they had known was slavery and living under a hard hand of a taskmaster. They didn't know anything about liberty. They didn't know really anything about relationships. They didn't know anything about that much of life. And so God began to set them order, set them in order, and give them some guidelines to live by. And then, of course, we talked later on that even though God gives you application, biblical principles to live by, unless you do it, it's not going to do you any good. Believing is a good first step, but then until you start doing, there's not any difference in your life. 
and we use the passage found in James, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So we've been talking about life application or biblical applications for our life. Well, this morning I want to continue that, and I want us to look at another biblical principle, and it's, it's the biblical principle of honoring. Now, if you listen to this message, and I hope that you will listen, I believe this principle, if we apply it to our lives today, will change the culture of our world. I really do. In fact, I believe that a lot of the things that we're seeing have to do with this principle of living. You see, the word honor means to regard with great respect, to esteem highly. And this principle is not only laid out in the giving of the law to the Israelites, but the New Testament speaks much about this as well. In fact, we find in Romans 12 and 10, he says, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. Then he tells us in 1 Peter 2 and 17, honor all people. Can we say that together? Honor all people. Notice what he says. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, love the brotherhood, fear God, and honor the king. Hmm. Let me ask this question this morning. What would change in our culture if you and I just applied this one principle in our daily lives? What would change? Now, we see all the things going on in the world today. We see all the things going on in our nation, our country today, and there seems to be a lot of division and a lot of uh, anxiety, a lot of uh, just a lot of stuff going on. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, you know, I, I've said this before. I haven't said it online or I haven't said it like this, but I believe that what's going on in our nation and in the world, at the root of it, the root of it is from hell itself. I really believe it's from the devil. I believe it's a spiritual battle. I believe it's spiritual warfare that is going on. And that the enemy has unleashed a mighty army to try to destroy our freedom and our lives. So I think this is much more than a, than, than a, than a, 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 a symptom. We're, and as, I'm going to tell you something. As a nation, I feel like we're addressing the symptoms. You know, we're addressing symptoms. We're not getting to the root of the problem. You, you can address symptoms all day long, and until you address the root of the problem, nothing's going to change. And I believe the root of the problem is sin. It's a condition of the heart. And so I believe that if we would apply just this one principle to the way we live our lives, it would change the culture of the world in which we live. And you say, well, I don't understand how that goes. Well, let, let me share with you. We find that Jesus said in Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verse 37 through 40, Jesus was asked the question, what is the greatest command? Of course, they asked this question to test him or to tempt him. And Jesus responded to the question in this verse, and he said, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Notice that. It's like it. 
love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, in the giving of the law, going back to Mount Sinai, in the giving of the law, the first four commandments dealt with our relationship with God. But the next five commandments deal with our relationship with people. They really do. The next five deal with relationships with people. And these next six laws or or five laws were unheard of during their culture And the reason it was unheard of, because these next five laws or principles elevated, I want you to get that, elevated everyone's status. It it elevated everyone's status. You see, during that time, those that were in positions of authority were the lawgivers. If you were the king... If you were the head of the tribe, if you were the head of whatever, if you were the in charge, the authority, during that culture, during that time, you had the authority to make the laws. Amen. I mean, think about it. Don't you have rules in your house that you live by? And if you're the parent, if you're the head of the household... Don't you know that you have the authority to change the rules anytime you get ready? You do. I mean, and listen, our kids have learned how to manipulate and work those things for their good. Because they'll remind you, Dad, you said, in this house, this is what we're going to do. And they will bring it up to my attention when I want to change the rules. And since I'm the dad, I have the authority to change the rules. Well, if you're a king, if you're the one in charge, then you can make the rules, but really the rules don't apply to you because you can change them anytime you get ready. And so you're living in a culture, you're living in a world where all they knew was the rules of a taskmaster or whoever was in charge. But here on Mount Sinai, God gives them some principles to live by. God was establishing the law himself. I want you to hear that. God was establishing the law himself. Then then everyone, everyone has to be accountable to the law. If God established the law, if God established the guidelines and the principles to live by, then everyone was to be accountable to the law, and no one was above the law. No judge, no king, no prophet, no priest, no one was above the law. In other words, it elevated everybody's status to where everyone is equal. You know, even in our decoration, don't we believe that all men are created equal. You see, that principle is based on God's law. Not the law of the land. It's based on God's law. That all men everywhere, no matter their culture, no matter their race, no matter their status, no matter whether rich or poor, that all men everywhere are elevated to the same status. That everyone is equal. No one is above the law. Now, this is important. It's very important. You see, everyone's status was elevated. 
Now men, women, and even slaves had value. Slaves were no longer property. They had value. They were elevated, and this was unheard of in the ancient world. It was absolutely something that had never happened. I want you to understand what God was doing. He said, listen, I want you to understand life and liberty. I want you to live a life of liberty. Now, you and I are the crown of God's creation. In God's value system, regardless of who you are, you are created in the very image of God himself. God's image is stamped on you. In fact, he tells us in Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Now, this doesn't mean that you and I look like God or that God looks like you. It means that our spiritual being is shaped like God's. God has a mind, you have a mind. God has a will, you have a will. God has emotions, you have emotions. You see, this is what God said from the beginning, that we are made in his image. And no matter, no matter what race, no matter what side of the tracks you're from, we all have value and should be treated with respect and dignity. You see, God was elevating the value of man once again and it was woven into the law that he was giving. You see, the commands or the principles are God's gracious guidelines for human behavior and relationship. And all over the world, now hear me, all over the world, they forged the foundation or a foundation for law and morality. Every culture, every culture founded on ethical standards includes injunctions such as these, whether expressed biblically or not. They have never been recalled, they have never been rescinded, and they have never been reversed. They apply in every type of society, whether you're living in a digital age or whether you're living in the Stone Age. It applied. The principles that God laid out for relationships and for human standards and, and, and for all of us, they, they, they transcend time. They apply whether you live back when the law was written on stone or where it's written on a digital. It applies. And it applies in every nation of the world. They are valid among every race and echelon of people. And, the, and hear me, the commandments give us guidelines to experience ultimate freedom. God's chosen people were on the edge of a new adventure. And God's plan for the Israelites was good. I want you to prosper. I want you to have hope. And I want to give you a future. And God is saying the same thing to you and I today. I yearn for you to prosper. I want to give you a hope. 
I want to give you a future. God loves us today. You see, his plan was good. And he issued these commands for their protection as a father would protect his children. Amen? Now today, you and I have discovered, we have discovered is that in nations where there is an understanding of divine law, everyone's status is elevated. And in those nations where divine law is not recognized, this is where we find the most human rights violations. Now think about that. In the nations where divine law is not recognized is where we find the most human right violations. Now just think about it for just a moment. In the world in which we live, is that not true? It's true. When you don't recognize the established law of God, not of man, but of God, then, you see, when a nation has a dictator or has a king that establishes the law, then they believe they are above the law. And they can change the law at will. But when people look to God as the lawgiver to whom everyone is accountable to, everyone's status is elevated. As much authority and power as I feel like the president of the United States has, he is not above God's law. He's not. He never will be. He doesn't have the power, hear me, he doesn't have the power to change laws. In fact, our nation being founded on the principles of divine law and moral ethics, our nation being founded on that principle, we are not to make laws, we are to discover how the law of God can be applied to our lives. Did you hear what I said? We are to discover how the law of God applies to our lives. We are not, we should not make laws. We should discover the laws that God has given us to live by and discover how we can apply them to the laws of the land. The one battle that is taking place in our nation is the battle about who is responsible for determining what is law and what's not. And to the degree, and I quote, and to the degree that this nation loses sight of the fact there is a divine lawgiver, to that degree we will take responsibility for establishing our own laws and eventually those that establish the law will feel free to be above the law. As I said, our responsibility is not to establish law, but to discover the law and to determine how it is applied in our culture. I know this is different, but we need to hear this. You see, I really believe as a nation we're struggling 
And the reason we're struggling is because we're not viewing God as the one who establishes the law, the standard for living. And when God establishes the law for living and guidelines, he did it for your benefit, my benefit, for your good and my good. And he did the same thing to the children of the Israelites. So I want us to kind of just go over this for just a moment. You see, in giving of these, last, these next five laws, God not only wanted you to honor others and to treat them with respect and dignity, but he wanted you to be treated with respect and dignity. And Paul says in Philippians 2 and 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And so he begins, to, he, he begins to talk about honor, and he says, honor your father and your mother. Now, notice what he says in this. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long, hear me, that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Now, he didn't say honor your father and mother so that you can live a long life, though that, that would be wise. If you honor your mother and father, the belt might not get you. Just saying. If you honor your father and your mother, the belt not get you. But what Jesus or what God was saying there, he said, honor, treat them with respect. Treat them with high esteem. Honor them, honor them, honor their values. Honor the home, respect them. Respect their authority in your life. Listen, I know that parents sometimes don't always get it right. I didn't always get it right. But I, I've learned one thing. You always respect authority, and it starts in the home. You've got to have authority in the home, and you've got to respect and honor that authority in the home. Because if you don't honor it in the home, you're not going to honor it out of the world. And the problems that we face today is because there's no honor and respect in the home. Honor the values of the family. In fact, there's a term or I, I say where there is no respect for the family and the values of the family, there will be no respect for leadership in a nation, nor its values. When children abandon the godly values that they were raised up under, the values of the nation will decline. Isn't that what's happened today? You see what God was saying, listen, I want you to honor your family. I want you to esteem them highly. I want you to respect that authority in the home because I'm going to tell you how the home goes, goes the nation. As the family goes, goes the nation. When the family begins to deteriorate, the nations are going to deteriorate. And so you've got what God is saying, listen, you don't understand. You don't understand. I'm trying to make, uh, when you get into the land of promise, when you get into the promised land, I want you to live a long time there. And in order for you to live a long time, you've got to value, you've got to honor the family, the parents. Have you ever noticed have you ever studied history that the fall of every nation, the fall of every nation started when the family began to be devalued? When honor and respect for the, those in authority over you begin to be abandoned. 
You look at Rome. What was the downfall of Rome? What was the downfall of Rome? I mean, we can say, well, it was sin. Yeah, it was sin. But listen, what's the root of sin? The root of sin. What causes this dishonor? It's the root of sin. Every nation that has collapsed, didn't live long in the land, is because they began to not honor the family values. Second of all, he said, you shall not murder. What does he mean by that? This means to honor the life of people. This even deals with the sanctity of life. Life is precious, and no one, and and hear me, life is precious, and one should honor it in such a way that no one person, did you hear what I said? No one person takes another life by his own power. You don't take justice into your own hands. Well, I know that didn't go over too good. You shall not murder. If you honor the sanctity of life and you honor life, you will never take a life. And I know you would ask the question or some would ask the question, well, what about punishment and what about all these other things? One person has no authority to take another person's life. Now, if the justice system does it, that's the justice system. That's not one person. You don't have the authority to take a life. You need to honor that life. Honor life. That's what God was saying. Because if you lived in that culture, there was no regard for life. If you lived in that culture, there was no regard for the sanctity of life. People just, they, they took lives. They went to the gladiator rings and they, they killed. No regard for life whatsoever. You shall not commit adultery. What's that got to do with honor? Honor your relationships. Honor relationships. Honor your spouse. Honor your loved one. Honor relationships. I'm telling you, honor relationships. Have such a high esteem, high esteem, such a high dignity for your relationship that you're not going to do anything to hurt that relationship with your spouse. And not just with your spouse, but with anyone else. Honor, honor. Honor your relationship. I'm telling you, this is so important that we learn what God is saying. He said, listen, I am trying to protect not only the life of everyone, I'm trying to protect the relationship with you that you have with other people. So in your relationship with people, honor one another. Honor that relationship. You shall not steal. What's that got to do with it? You see, I think you should honor people's property. Honor their property. This thing that's been going on that we've seen on the news and everything in America, with the looting and the destruction of property, they're violating the principle. 
They're violating a biblical principle. If you really honored God, and if you really honored people, and if you really honored their property, you would not do what you're doing. Or they wouldn't do what they're doing. They would not do that. It's a biblical guideline. It's a biblical principle principle that God has laid out for you and I. And he says, listen, I want you to live a life of liberty. I want you to live a life of freedom. I want you to live long in the land. I want you to live a life of prosperity. I want you to live a life of success. I want you to live a life that you've never experienced before. And these are some guidelines I want you to live by. And if you will honor not only the family and honor life and honor honor each other's relationships, but if you'll honor each other's property. I got tickled the other day. Gun sales are going out of the world, off the roof. Now, why? Because of what's going on in America. Now, I've got a gun. I've got several guns. I believe in the second Amendment rights that you have the freedom to have a gun if you want to own a gun. I I believe that. But listen, understand that when you respect other people's property, you esteem it, you respect their property, you honor their property, there will be no need to have all the things that's going on in the world today. People are buying it up because they're trying to protect their property protect themselves and protect their property. But if we apply this principle, if we, again, if we apply this principle to our lives, the culture of our world will begin to change. And then he says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not give false testimony. In other words, honor a person's reputation. I think this is so important. Respect and honor their reputation. Don't say anything that will bring them down. Don't say anything that will destroy them. Don't say anything that will belittle them. Honor their reputation. Esteem them highly. Build them up. What if we begin to do that? What would change in our world, in our culture, in the way we live? I'm telling you, I I went to... I've been, I've been around the world, and uh, I haven't been to every country and every nation, but there's some places I've been. Number one, there was a place called Singapore. Anybody ever been to Singapore? Man, I love Singapore. And the amazing thing about Singapore, they believe in divine law. They do. In fact, you go to Singapore and you carry drugs, it's a death penalty. You go to Singapore and you steal, they'll cut your hand off. That's the penalty. Now, you know, do you believe that you need to cut people's hands? I didn't say that. I just said that's their law. But let me tell you, when I got to Singapore, and I'm this guy from America, and I don't travel that much around the world, but I could walk the streets at midnight, and I was not afraid. I mean, I was at liberty to walk the streets. I felt comfortable. I felt relaxed. I felt, I I was not afraid for my life. Now, what I want you to understand, and there's other places that I've been, when you and I begin to develop this culture of honoring 
God, honoring others, honoring people's property, honoring their names, you're going to begin to live in a culture that embraces liberty and freedom. You're not going to be worried about someone taking your property. You're not going to be worried about someone taking your life. You're not going to be worried about someone destroying your name. You're not going to be worried. You're going to live a life of liberty and freedom. And do you know that's what God wants you and I to experience in the world in which we live? And that's why he gave the guidelines for the Israelites. He said, listen, you've lived all your life under a taskmaster as slaves, and you don't understand freedom. You don't understand relationships. So I'm going to give you some guidelines to live by so that I can elevate everyone to a status where everyone is created, created, everyone's created equal and everyone is treat, treated equal so you can enjoy life and liberty in the promised land and you you can live long there and enjoy it. And as long as the Israelites lived by the guidelines, they had life, they had liberty, and they had peace. But when they begin to violate the principles, things begin to decline and go south. What if today... In America, we start right here in St. Mary's, right here in Camden County, and we say, from this point forward, I'm going to live by the principles that God has laid out in His Word for me to live by, where I'm going to honor God, honor one another, treat them with respect, dignity, esteem them highly, honor them. I'm going to honor our relationships. And I'm going to honor and respect people's property. What would begin to change in this county? Number one, we would be able to walk the streets and feel free and comfortable. And number two, the rest of the state of Georgia would begin to set their eyes on Camden County and say, I want to move there. There's something there that's different about where I'm living. I want to be there. I want to discover what's going on, that they are free to live an enjoyable life. That would begin to change. And there's one thing I want to say in closing. And if you notice the last command of the 10 that he gave, he tells us not to covet. And this is where it hit home. Derek, if you get ready. Thou shalt not covet. What God was saying there, he said, now listen, the last thing I want you to do is guard your heart. Guard your heart. Notice what he said. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Now, to covet means to, draw, uh, to desire strongly, to be unhappy with oneself because of what you do not have and that begins to erode relationships. If I look at Wayne Anderson, and I said, man, that guy, he dresses to a T every time I see him. I mean, he, I mean, I, you look at his shoes. 
Look at me. They are polished. They are shiny. I mean, Wayne Anderson, every time I see him, he is dressed up. Man, I wish I could wear the clothes he's got. Now, the, the word covet means I want what he's got. That's what it means to covet. And God says, listen, I want you to guard your heart that you don't strongly desire what someone else has. Because if you begin to desire what they, what they have, you really want what they have, it's going to begin to erode your relationship with them. Because you're going to become envious. You're going to become jealous. And so God says, I want you to guard your heart. He knew the nature of man. He knew that we were sinful creatures. He knew that we had the potential to erode our relationships because of what's in our heart. And he says, I want you to honor me. I want you to honor others. I want you to honor people's things. But most of all, I want you to guard your heart so that it doesn't cause you to erode in your relationships with others. And I'm telling you, we've got to guard our heart. And we've all done it, whether we believe it or not. We've all probably done it. Boy, I'd like to have his house. Boy, I love that house. I, I, I would love to have a place like this on the river. And if you're not careful, it begins to erode your relationships because it gets in your heart. And it begins to destroy the freedom and the contentment that you have in Christ. So I want to challenge you today. What would our culture look like in Camden County? Let's just start here. What would our culture look like in Camden County if we begin to apply these principles in our daily lives? That I'm going to honor you. The sanctity of life. That I'm going to honor my family. The values. That I'm going to treat my parents with dignity and respect esteem them highly that I'm going to treat others the same way listen I know I shouldn't admit this but how many of you have ever been stopped by the police oh, thank you I'm not the only one how many of you have ever been given a ticket you don't have to raise your hand <laughs> I'll raise my hand how many of you have been given a ticket unjustly? <laughs> yeah, you need to pray. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you. I think you need to treat those in authority with respect. Uh, not too long ago, I was pulled over the other day. Not, well, it's been a few months back. I was pulled over because I made a right-hand turn. I stopped made a right-hand turn, but when I made the right-hand turn, I got in the left lane. I was getting ready to pull into the post office here. So I just eased my way and turned right into the left lane. A few minutes, well, not just a few minutes, a few seconds, there's blue lights that are flashing behind me. I'm thinking, what are they stopping me for? I stopped at the stop sign. And so I pulled up here at the post office and she said, I imagine you want to know why I'm stopping you for. I said, well, yeah. I said, I don't know what I did. 
Well, you made a right-hand turn illegally because you're supposed to stay in the right lane and not move over to the left until after you're going. I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, I was thinking this. I thought, you've got to be kidding. You stopped me because I made a right-hand turn and got in the left lane, and it's against the law to do that? I didn't say anything. I said, yes, ma'am. Now, you see, I could have responded and said, you've got to be kidding me. You've got all these people out here in the world that are doing things, and you stop me for that? I could have shown disrespect. But you show respect. You honor their place of authority. And you know what happens? When I said, ma'am, I said, uh, you know, I said, I didn't even realize that that was, to tell you the truth, I didn't realize it was a law. I didn't even realize it was a law. But you know, when I said that and treated her with respect, she treated me with respect. She did. my, My point is, what would happen if we all begin to treat each other that way? Even outsiders that way. Unbelievers that way. It would begin to change the culture of our neighbor. And we would be able to walk in freedom and liberty. And that's what God wants you tonight to live. In a nation, in a country, in a city where we have liberty and freedom. You see, God wants us today, praise Him, come on, to live in freedom and not in bondage. He wants us to live in freedom through the acceptance of His Son, Jesus Christ. And He confirms our relationship with Him by giving us the guidelines to live by so we can be free. I really want you and I to live in a land of freedom and in a relationship of freedom with Jesus Christ. Would you stand? My prayer this morning is that you will know Christ as your personal Savior. You see, today, I know, I know that I'm in a relationship with God, that God has delivered me from the power and the bondage of sin. I'm not, He didn't give me rules. He didn't give me guidelines to live by to establish a relationship. He already delivered me. He set me free, and he gives me these guidelines because he's saying, Randy, I want now, I want you. You've lived a life of bondage. You've lived a life of slavery. You've lived a life that that you were in sin. But now that I have set you free from sin, I want to give you some guidelines to live by so that you can live a life of freedom and liberty in a world that I made for you. That's what God wants. Maybe today you don't know Jesus. Maybe you haven't been set free from the power of sin that you were born with. But today God wants to set you free. And once he sets you free, he doesn't give you rules to live by, to establish a relationship. He gives you rules to confirm the relationship that you are in with him because of his deliverance. I challenge you today. I challenge you. Do you know Christ? Have you accepted him? Do you know his freedom? And are you experiencing the freedom that he's wanting you to experience daily in your life? Let's sing this song with him. And this altar's open. If you'd like to come and pray, I'd love to pray with you this morning. If you don't know Christ, I want to introduce you to him because it will be the best thing that ever happened in your life. We're going to sing this song.
snow one that we used to sing. Thanks for listening to the St. Mary's Church Podcast. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today or have more questions about following Jesus, we have pastors who want to talk with you. Connect with us at stmaryschurch.net or through social media on Facebook or Instagram. We can't wait to hear what Jesus is doing in you.